In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. I tell you all to be seated, but I think you already are. I'm still not sure I've figured out this online virtual preaching, but I'm, I feel so behind in a lot of things. Um, and one of those things that I'm behind, I'm just now reading Tara Westover's astounding memoir, Educated. It seems like everybody else read that last year. Uh, for those that have not read it, I want to share a little bit about this profound book. Um, Westover was born in 1986 in rural Idaho, and it's her memoir. Um, Her parents uh, did not believe in a lot of the things that many of us believe in, like conventional medicine or going to school. So she had the youngest of seven, had no birth certificate, which meant no social security card, which you can imagine would lead to all sorts of problems later on in life. Her dad had this idea um, that the, the, the government would take over, and so he was one of those survivalists that was hoarding food and guns and all sorts of stuff. The mom was a um, herbalist. She would make tinctures and medicine. Eventually, she became a midwife, helping people give birth the same way that Tara was born in someone's living room. And her father owned a scrapyard and would make his living by, you know, cleaning off copper and stuff like that from cars and different material or building, building barns. They had a horrible mistrust of education, other people, um, the world. And so she grows up in this incredibly interesting environment. And this is what's I mean, crazy, if you can believe this. So she wants to rebel, as many of us do. And so what does she do to rebel? I'm going to go to college. <laughs> She's yet to go to school. Her only social interaction has been singing at church and then singing in some plays that she does. And she realizes she has an extraordinary voice. And so she decides to rebel against her parents Signs up to take the ACT, doesn't do very well, does all right. It's like, I need to know geometry. So she goes and buys a book on geometry and trigonometry, and that's how she learns, that's how she learns math. Does much better on the ACT, and the very first time that she goes to school and has class with other people is college. She's grown up in a scrapyard. She goes to college. And it's an extraordinary book. She ends up being so smart. I mean, she ends up getting a scholarship to Cambridge, ends up eventually getting her master's and her PhD at Cambridge University in England. And it's it's mind-blowing. But I don't think that it appeals to people because of its criticism on... on on Western education or the ability to break that narrative and do something extraordinary. I think that the reason that it is so compelling is that she is awakening to something inside her that is not recognized by the world that she is in. Bear with me. 
there's a truth that is embedded within her. And she has to awaken to that truth and grow in her identity in a way that is very countercultural to the world that she's in. There is something that is not recognized by everybody else. And she owns that and she lives into it in the most profound way. Now, did you just kind of bear that image in the back? It's an easy book if you're looking for something new to read and you're one of the people like me that um, somehow missed the, the boat the last year. Um, pause that. So one of the things that I love to do as a priest is to get to do the sacraments, um, to get to invite people into sacramental living. I stood here, uh, I stood here last weekend and officiated a wedding. And one of the things that I do when I'm teaching or, or doing these is I often try to, I've got to come up with new tricks in my own teaching as I try to lead people down the, the, the wrong path and see if I can throw them off. And so I often ask people when they're preparing for marriage, you know, what is the outward invisible sign? And so people, oh, it's the ring. You know, we're wearing rings. And, and I smile. Now in a sacrament, when two people love each other and they get married in the church, they become the outward invisible sign of God's love. When someone is baptized, when someone is baptized, they become a Christian, an outward, invisible sign of God's love in this world. I mean, we don't think about that very much. But if you're changed, if you're changed in baptism, you are different. You're different. You become an outward, invisible sign of something profound. When you receive unction, when we, we'll do it again, we'll get there again. When you come in and someone lays hands on you and puts the cross on your forehead, that, that healing, it's an outward sign, but your life becomes different. Those 50 people that were confirmed last weekend, you're standing up there to say something different is taking place. Something different is taking place. God is working in my life, and I want to give credence to that. I want to claim it. I want to profess it. That's why last week was so powerful. 50 adults. 50 adults said something beautiful is taking place in this life. They wanted to own it. The gospel reading that we just heard, it's a powerful story and it's hard to hear it's hard to hear because we're scared of squandering what we have and it's easy to think this is about money but there's a, there's a problem with that i don't know if y'all know that the old testament like one of the, the worst things you can do in the old testament is make money off of interest usury and so jesus is sitting here saying you know given this this parable he's saying we well, should have invested the money maybe because it's not money Maybe because it's not money. What are you really given that you're entrusted with? Now, here's the secret that Westover knew. She knew that there was something within her 
that needed to, to, to bear new life. And that's why that book is so provocative. But the truth is, is that we as Christians, we as Christians become the bearer of good news deep within our souls. That's the promise at baptism is God's love essentially is embedded within us. And what the world needs is for us to allow that truth to emerge, to be disclosed. It's a hard message, this gospel from Matthew, because we're entrusted with something so valuable and so important. But listen to this letter from 1 Thessalonians. For God has destined us not for wrath, but for obtaining salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ who died for us. So that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up as indeed you are doing. That's what we get to do. If you're wondering what your purpose in life is, no, I'm probably not destined to go to Cambridge. Maybe you are. That's not why you come to church. You are destined to be the bearer of God's love. You know why the church grows? It doesn't grow because people go off on some mystical journey into a silent retreat in a, in a, in a monastery. People get to know God from you and from me. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up as indeed you are doing. One of my favorite poems is won't surprise you, is from The Summer Day by Mary Oliver, and it's a beautiful, beautiful fall day. But maybe we'll listen to her words about the summer day. Who made this world? Who made the swan and the black bear? Who made the grasshopper? The grasshopper, I mean, the one who has flung herself out of the grass the one who is eating sugar out of my hand, who is moving her jaw back and forth instead of up and down, who is gazing around with her enormous and complicated eyes. Now she lifts her pale forearms and thoroughly washes her face. Now she snaps her wings open and floats away. I don't know exactly what a prayer is, I do know how to pay attention, how to fall down into the grass, how to kneel in the grass, how to be idle and blessed, how to stroll through the fields, which is what I've been doing all day. Tell me, what else should I have done? Doesn't everything die at last and too soon? Tell me, 
What is it you plan to do with your one wild and precious life? Tell me, what is it you plan to do with your one wild and precious life? God's love, God's truth, God's reconciliation, all of that is embedded in each of us. It is the identity that is longing to break free, to take over who we are. Our call as Christians is to let that identity become who we are, to let that truth emerge, to be countercultural in this world that is so focused on ourselves. Now that's a story. Tell me. What is it you plan to do with your one wild and precious life? Amen.